Welcome to The Neighbor Next Door, a podcast about the power and importance of neighboring. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson. And for this episode, my colleague Adam Barlow Thompson joined me as we interviewed Kate Kingery. Kate is the Deputy Director of Community Transformation at County Health Rankings and Roadmaps. Okay, that is a mouthful, but don't worry, it all makes sense. So we met Kate at a conference on community health where she was the keynote speaker, and her talk blew our minds. She presented the information available at the County Health Rankings and Roadmaps website. And while that is a mouthful, the concept is very straightforward. What they do is they gather information from every county in the U.S., and they process that information to rank how healthy each county is in a particular state. They also offer initiatives and strategies to help people address the health issues in their community. So I strongly encourage you to check out their website, countyhealthrankings.org. It is amazingly accessible and loaded with helpful information. Our conversation with Kate further revealed how neighboring is a movement because, as she comments later on, there are people all over the place who care deeply about their communities and want to find ways to make their communities healthier. We were also affirmed, once again, in the importance of neighboring and overall community health. So, grab a chair and join us on the front porch for this super informative and inspiring conversation. We're going to start our interview with Kate, describing the work they do at County Health Rankings and Roadmaps. So my name is Kate Kingery, and I work with County Health Rankings and Roadmaps, and I lead our community transformation portfolio. And that includes community learning, community guidance, national partnerships and networks, as well as research translation. But what we do at County Health Rankings and Roadmaps is we are a collaboration between the University of Wisconsin Population Health Institute and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, which is based in Princeton, New Jersey, and they fund public health reforms across the country. And we've enjoyed this collaboration for nearly a decade. And what we've been able to do together is we lift up the intersection of data, evidence, guidance, and examples to help local communities create the conditions where everybody has the opportunity to be healthy. Yes, I can tell this is going to go well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. She's got this down. I yeah. Know, I have messages. <laughs> yeah, you've been, like, we've been doing this a second. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't familiar with population health. And population health is really about looking at the health of groups of people or populations of people. And we have developed a model. Um, we're researchers, and so we like models to illustrate what we do. Mm -hmm. And this model really focuses on a very broad definition of health and how to both define health broadly, but also measure health in communities. We use the word health, but the kinds of things that we talk about go well beyond what people think of as health. We like to say that health is more than what happens in your doctor's office that health happens in the communities where we live, learn, work, 
play and pray. Mm-hmm. Hey, that was really good. Exactly. <laughs> We've got that one down. <laughs> and what we mean by that is health is a lot more than individual choice. It's about the kinds of choices that individuals have in their communities. Yeah. And so in this model that we've established that's based on research, uh, we look at um, health outcomes, which include length of life, and then how people feel about their health as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what we factor in for uh, health outcomes. But we also have health factors, and there are four major areas that we look at. And they include health behaviors, like alcohol use, tobacco use, clinical care, that includes um, the number of doctors in your community or mental health providers or dentists or people with insurance, or what the insurance rate is in your community. But we really feature social social and economic factors and the physical environment. So what are those things that are typically beyond the control of an individual and really are about planning and policy and programs in communities or infrastructure as well in communities? And in this model we have, the social and economic factors really account for about 40%. So reach, through research, we've demonstrated that our health is influenced roughly 40% through social and economic factors that include things like good schools, uh, living wage jobs, affordable housing, uh, safe communities, and social connections. You know, like being good neighbors. Exactly, like being good neighbors. And, See the connection here? Yeah. yeah you just got to pull that out. And living in communities where there are strong social networks and a social fabric yes. uh, and social capital. That's, that's perfect. Yeah, that's that, really good that, stuff. That's, that's better mm-hmm. than most of our podcasts already. It's so. <laughs> really well, helpful. I also so well, haven't like touched it. on equity. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, so let me talk Actually, a little really, bit about equity. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So... Health equity, or equity in general, is is something that we certainly talk about, and we see it across public health and social services and in our communities and lots of different places where there's this growing consciousness and recognition that not everybody has the same opportunities. And for us, we talk about how not everybody has the same opportunities to be healthy. And we definitely see that when we're looking at population-level data, where we're looking at groups of people. And so we see differences in health based on place, but we also see significant differences in health based on race and ethnicity and gender and orientation and ability, um, among other factors. And so for us, it's really asking the question of who is in our communities? What is the data showing us about health outcomes for different groups in our communities? And then how do we really authentically engage with people in our communities to understand what their experiences are like and what it is they prioritize and care about and what are the assets that they see in their community to build on for improving health? And we use the word community very broadly. And so that community may be centered around group identity, it may be about a place, it may, may be about a common institution, but recognizing that people define community in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love about your data, because we just went through a, a keynote address from you, which was very great, and yeah. is it was it's so visual, it's like, it. I mean, I didn't have to be an expert to just look at it and be like, oh, that's what this means. And that's really helpful for, I think, people trying to actually impact their communities to be able just to access it and understand it and then be inspired to do something right away. So how do people get a hold of your stuff? That's a great question. 
So we have a plethora of resources available that can be found at countyhealthrankings.org. And That's that like in, the easiest website. Exactly. Yeah. It's so easy. Countyhealthrankings.org. It's yeah. great. <laughs> you guys are on like point when it comes to branding and marketing. Yeah, yeah. It's really great. Exactly. Well, and you can go on countyhealthrankings.org and find a data snapshot that we produce every year for nearly every county across the country. And all you have to do is type in your county name and there it will be. And you can see where your county ranks relative to the rest of the counties in your state. We've got features that allow you to compare your county to peer counties in other parts of the country. It's an automated feature. We have another automated feature of it's just a click box that will show you areas to explore where there may be some challenges based on the data presented, mm -hmm. as well as areas of strengths. And so what are those assets and those places that communities can look at to build upon where their data is looking pretty good? That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, to empower just like the regular folks like us. Right. Like with that kind of, I mean, that's, that's It's really pretty powerful. I mean, I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, a, a person listening to our podcast. You know, I live, I live in Indiana. I'm going to look up this county, right? What would be some of the examples of uh, strengths or uh, specific challenges that might show up in a county? Just to kind of be able to visualize that a little bit more. That's a great question. You know, if I had my laptop open, I would actually pick a county in Indiana and show you. <laughs> oh, nice. <clears throat> but. Uh, some of the places that we look at certainly are some, some of the factors that we really pay attention to are children living in poverty because we know when there are high percentages of children living in poverty that these are challenges for young people in a community and that um, for uh, youth starting out or children starting out with a good start in life we know that gives them more opportunities for economic mobility and the ladder of success um, so that's one area we certainly look at we also pay attention to um, factors like uh, access to uh, providers. So how many doctors are in this community? Okay. Um, there's a county in Wisconsin that I, I like to talk about. There's one doctor for this county of 20,000 people. Oh my God. One. Whoa. And so most of, these, most of the residents in this county have to go to other counties. And that's a complicating factor when you're talking about transportation and accessibility and childcare and time off from work uh, and being able to get an appointment. What if you have to go see a specialist? And so it's a real barrier to accessing healthcare. Mm -hmm. We also look at insurance rates or the uninsured rate. Um, we saw the example from Allen County of the work that they've really done to significantly decrease their uninsured rate among their population. And this past year, they have improved their overall ranking to 38 uh, from where they had been in, um, much further down in the rankings like, in Like Kansas. 95 out of like 100 or something? I think that's where they started around yeah. 2011. And it yeah. gives, I mean, it's, it's so great because it gives like an organization like Thrive um, in Allen County, which is a small county in Kansas, a chance to be very tangible about their goal. And like, I know that you all are going to put out the data every year so that I can really actually tell if my work's doing anything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's one of the reasons why we do these snapshots every year, every year so people can see how they're 
how their metrics change every year. The only caution we give is that the rankings themselves are relatives, or relative, not relatives. <laughs> uh, and so using the, the ranking as a base, as a measurement, uh, doesn't really give you the full picture at sure. all. But the data itself really paints a picture, and you can show progress over time, and we show trends over time as well. The other critical factors that we look at is premature death rates mm. um, because we know uh, and premature death is a calculation of any death that occurs before the age of 75 mm -hmm. and we recognize that when there's an increase in premature death rates that these are not positive health outcomes mm. and that we really want to learn more about what's contributing to that so we look at the top five leading causes of death and we've seen across the country over the past few years an increase among um, preventable deaths suicides, homicides, drug overdose deaths, and motor vehicle crashes. Hmm. And these are not deaths due to increase in disease. Mm -hmm. It really is other circumstances in life, which again is why we put so much emphasis on social and economic factors and all of these other things that are happening in people's lives and are part of communities. It's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. great. Yeah, not, not great. And, and but great I know, work. I, yes, I know you always I, say that. I'm I, just so excited about the work. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> premature well, just, deaths are not great. I'm just going to go ahead and name that clearly. <laughs> yes. I mean, we know. We know that. I mean, I know, but. Um, well, you had mentioned about the model and having that visual representation. We think it's very powerful to have data and to have information. And with that data and information then comes the opportunity for action. It's yes. like, well, what does the data tell you? So what does it mean? And now what do you do? Mm. And that's the other part of the resources that we have available. So we have a, uh, uh, a collection of evidence-informed strategies. We have more than 400 strategies that we have done an evidence rating on. And they're all aligned with the different measures in our rankings model. So you can look at the data and then say, well, now what do I do about this? Well, mm. we've got some ideas yeah. of what you can do. And there's research behind them. So hopefully you're not wasting your time on things that we know don't work. Yeah, because yeah. this is not ivory tower research. This is like go and do something in your local community. Absolutely. Kind of research. Yeah, and if you're looking for guidance on where to get started, we have a team of coaches in different parts of the country who can provide guidance. You can she's, you can call us up. Us. Well, yeah, God, I mean she this is awesome. That's great. Yeah. I'm not giving you all much of a chance to talk on no, your own podcast. No, they don't want to hear from us. <laughs> well, you can reach out to us via our website at countyhealthrankings.org and uh -huh. ask any question, and we'll try to find an answer for you. And we work with communities in different formats as well. And do uh, we have a national uh, webinar series where we feature examples from other communities or topics of interest. We do a virtual peer learning series on different topics. We just did one in the fall focused on Appalachian uh, communities uh, and community response to opioid use. Uh, we are working uh, on one uh, related to rural economic development that I think will be later this summer. Uh, we do some cohorts where we, where we bring uh, groups of community teams together to learn with and from each other. And then, of course, we've got examples. And we've got all kinds of examples, both on our website. But we are involved with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Culture of Health Prize. Mm -hmm. And the prize is an annual competition that recognizes communities that are building a culture of health. And we've seen Allen County, Kansas as one of the prize winners in 2017. And there are, I 
think about 37, 39 communities across the country that have been awarded a prize. And these are great examples. And we've got videos for all of them. Mm, uh, right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I just want to reflect for a minute because it's, I mean, it's so exciting. Yeah. And I'm just really grateful because I was thinking about like the, the county that I grew up in, which is probably at one point was one of the poorest counties in Indiana, mm -hmm. uh, may still be, right? So if somebody looked up Randolph County, Indiana, uh, who lives there, could I mean, that, that could be very discouraging. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really grateful that, that it isn't where your work stops, right? That it, it flows through that into very practical applications and connections and networks. And it's just, and it's action-based. Because a lot of, I mean, what we're seeking to do with the podcast is encourage people to take action. Right? Right. Like, we have more power than we often realize um, in terms of relationships and getting to know people and what we can do. So. I'm also curious, you didn't, <clears throat> uh, how, of all of those, I mean, the amount of resources you just named are, there's a lot of them. Are those all free for everybody? They are available at no direct cost to communities. And we were able to do this because of the generous support from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. They are, that place is legit. They've got it together. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. But we've also been able to build this over the past decade, so it's not something we put together overnight. Right. And we continue to update and update. We also have a number of online tools uh, for communities who are looking to move into the action space, and they're available and free for the taking. Two questions. One is uh, just, I mean, overall, what, what do you see trend as far as health, mm -hmm. uh, cultural health, population health? That's a great question. And, you know, this is, there's a lot of complexity in this space and yeah. a lot of layering. But I do think there are, there are some things that are emerging or things that are emerging through a groundswell and movements that are building. Mm -hmm. And first, I would say the kind of work that you all are doing around neighbors and neighborhoods and engagement and that authenticity and really bringing in the voice, perspective, and participation of people who have the lived experience, um, who may be experiencing poor health outcomes or who are in neighborhoods where there are opportunities for improvement and identifying those assets to build upon. It's that authenticity of we can all do this together and we don't need the outside experts. We don't need all of the professionals at the table making decisions for other people. It, uh, it's about how do we come together in ways where we're acknowledging power Mm -hmm. and power differentials and we're creating space for people to have power in different ways or exercise power in different ways and I think there is a lot to that and we certainly see that in a lot of local communities across the country and along with that power then it's the issues that we were talking about related to equity yeah. And this acknowledgement that not everybody has the same opportunities in communities to be healthy. And we've had lots of great health reforms over the past many decades, from seatbelt laws to worker conditions. But we've seen through research time and time again that not everybody has benefited from those in the same way. 
And it takes me back to people make choices based on the choices they have available. And how do we make sure that everybody in communities have the choices and the opportunities to be healthy? And I would say those are two really big things that are important in our work. Mm. But also the recognition that, um, you know, it, it takes a village to create a village and that this frame of health, uh, this very broad frame of health, seems to resonate with folks and gives us a way to organize and collectively see our work together and realize that we have commonality in our agendas or our desired outcomes and gives us a way that we can work together effectively. Yeah. So good. So, I mean, that, that line, people can't make choices they don't have, that's so good. Yeah. And when you neighbor, you are increasing your ability and your neighbor's ability to have more choices. And I'm just thinking about our actual neighbors yeah. and you know, our neighbor who had uh, knee replacement and she needed to go to PT, but there was no way she was gonna get there by herself, mm -hmm. except for she already had a relationship with a neighbor who said, I'm willing to take you. Yeah. And she would have not gone without that. Right. And right. so it's, it would have been really detrimental to her health, but because she had neighbors, mm -hmm. it wasn't. Yeah. One of, the, one of the data measures that we have is around social inclusion. But what we don't measure is connectedness and empathy and care for one, e for one another. And mm. we can't quantify that. And we know it's critical to how we live our lives each and every day. Mm. And uh, we've got policies that can be changed to improve health. But our human connection isn't something that we can regulate. And there will, be, there will never be a replacement for our choices um, to be good neighbors mm. and good partners with each other. Yeah. That's great. Damn, that was good. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. There is a lot that I love about my work. Um, but being here today and meeting people like you and being with this group that's focusing on healthy congregations, what I love most about my work is seeing the optimism and enthusiasm and this genuine desire among people everywhere in the country to make their communities and their homes and their neighborhoods a better place for everyone. I'm inspired by it, I'm energized by it, and being able to bring resources to the table in the form of data and evidence and guidance and stories to help people along that journey and to see the kinds of progress that they're making. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's Thank good. you so yeah, much yeah. for doing this. Yeah. This was sure. really awesome. Oh, really great. And, you know. <laughs> I mean, yes, on one hand, we do a lot of message practice with uh -huh. our media release and we've got the specific things that we say, but we also have a really committed staff at, that I get to be part Clearly. of as well. And yeah. we care about what we do. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun and easy to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Neighbor Next Door. We hope it motivated you to get out there and be a good neighbor. Please subscribe to our show so you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you have ideas, questions, or topics that you think would be helpful to us, please contact us through our website. Our one, website. One topic that they might add would be more banjo in all episodes. 
Yes. Probably. Yes, they should. They should. Um, but why don't we just have them email that to you? I just feel like that just needs to be in your inbox. That's what you need. Okay, All right. we'll see. So our website, www.neighboringmovement.org, where there's lots of other free stuff and resources you can check out. want to give a shout out to our editing work that was done by Vistifer. The AmeriCorps volunteer who saves our day every single week. <laughs> oh, every single day, actually. Every single week he saves our day. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> Our background music is written and performed by Brutal Bear. After hours and hours of uh, composing and orchestrating in Adam and Ashley's garage. And that's it. That's right, folks. With that, we must sign off. So until next time, happy neighboring. Happy neighboring. Happy neighboring.